This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Heather Osborne. Kia ora, Heather. Kia ora, Sam. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Where are you, Heather? I am currently at home in my living room, looking out at the sun, as Tahu would call it, Dunedin. <laughs> Where is home? <laughs> I live in Anderson's Bay. Very just, nice. Just the other, other side of the harbour from you. We swam the length of the harbour yesterday. What? Finishing at Anderson's Bay, the inlet there. It's very nice there. Oh, my goodness. It is nice. It's a good yeah. spot. Yeah. We, norm- we normally swim to Vauxhall, but the person I was doing it with, it was the first time he'd done the length of the harbour, and he didn't want to feel cheated by missing out the last kilometre. So he, he insisted that we carry on all the way to, to the little park at Bayfield, well, the big park at Bayfield, the little play, playing ground yeah. there. So that was um, a 23-kilometre 20, swim? Exactly. Wow. Impressive. Good on you. What's all now, though? I bet. <laughs> so we've been asking people how their bubble life was, and of course that has gotten complicated because it's now a traffic light and something else. Mm. But let's go back to the bubbles. How was your bubble life? My, my bubble life I enjoyed, actually. I had recently finished a job. Um, and it just it worked out very well time-wise. I've had two young children, so at the time they would have been three and f- no, two and four, three and five, three and five. And, um, yeah, so it meant that I was able to spend lots of time with them. And, you know, if I, if I had still been working, I would have been at home with the computer um, doing my office work, which I know lots of people have had to do and I have absolute admiration for. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked particularly well for us. Um, yeah, so we just got to spend lots of time together and do lots of fun activities and lots of art as well. So it was all tactic and spending time in the backyard. So yeah, cool. it was it was good good for me. Um, you know, there was my husband um, runs a building business, so there was a lot of uncertainty around that. So yeah, it was interesting times. Did he spend the lockdown building things around the house? Yeah, he did actually. He was doing lots of bits and pieces, so he didn't quite know what to do with himself. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, he he kept himself busy. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Did he finish things though? That's the trick. We I don't think we've spoken to anybody who actually finished one of those lockdown projects. Um, I think he did. He's he's kind of one of those people that when he sets his mind to it, he's very disciplined. I think for him, he needed that structure 
so kind of floating around home isn't really his thing um so it was me and the kids he, he found a lot of reasons to be down in the basement doing stuff <laughs> <laughs> so moving out of lockdown over the over the years until then how's it been for you and your family it's been you know i won't lie there's, there's been a lot of uncertainty but um for me, I I found some really positive change during lockdown. I, um, as I mentioned, I was doing a bit of art with the kids, and you know, as as we do, we use social media um, as a way to keep touch with people, and you know, that was a good way for me to keep touch with other families, for kids to see what other kids were doing, and so I'd I'd post images of what we were doing art wise, um, and from there I. I then after after the lockdown started getting parents asking if I'd do art with their kids and it actually kind of started my new line of work. So for me it was a it was a very positive change in that sense. Um yeah, definitely a new kind of opportunity that I might not have been brave enough to do otherwise. So Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. So you open, so so you've opened up a business doing yeah, art? I, with kids yeah yes so I, I take after school art workshops with kids now um which went from you know a tentative group of you know maybe three or four kids to then two days and now I do uh three days so um and I've worked with a few businesses just doing some some kind of team workshop art so it's just slowly um you know obviously I've got my two young children who are five and seven now so just trying to work in my work around them also and and luckily I've got family to help out in the afternoons too um so yeah because prior to that you know I had a, a kind of standard job and and spending that quality time with them was a bit a bit different so yeah it's working well so art workshops that sounds like a that sounds like a fun way to spend the afternoon but I imagine it's also quite oh. hard work Oh, yeah, it's busy. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of preparation. My my undergraduate degree was in art history, so that has been a really good foundation. Um, and years ago, I worked at the Otago Museum as an educator, so we were constantly developing and delivering programs. And I've I've always just found myself working with, with younger people, and it's the best thing. Um, they constantly... Uh, kind of inspire me to do new things and it means that every workshop I'm doing I'm I'm delving into history and obviously art's a great way to learn about what's happened in the world socially and just finding new ways to to be creative and it's um yeah working with kids is just so refreshing so it's it works well with me and my personality and interests <laughs> so <laughs> probably wouldn't be everyone else's cup of tea but um you know, we get to be messy, so <laughs> the kids get to come here and make a mess that their parents don't have to worry about. So. <laughs> do you have a Do you have in mind what you're going to do on a particular day? Uh, I have a theme. I work six weeks at a time, and the first four weeks are explorational, and then the two weeks, um, all the young artists um, who are aged like five to twelve generally. Um, work on a what we call a series project um, and I let them choose their uh, their subject and their style because um, I believe that's something that we don't want to want to stifle with kids um, and then they just bear in mind things that we've been exploring so this term we had we were looking at color it was called color spectacular 
and so exploring lots of ways to um to use color in our artworks from symbolism through to impact and yeah and then they 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 all are all currently working on their final projects and then next term we're doing tactile and textured um which stemmed from um one of the students interest in using texture in her hands for for painting so i often i have an idea and then i bounce off them and then construct my classes um i have an idea for each class but i kind of get to the nitty-gritty of it and create a wee um a handout that just covers what I'll be talking about for them to keep um, from week to week. So it's very evolutional. Um, lots of adaptive management. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So in that four weeks of exploration, is is that about exploring different, you know, the, the colours around and, and, and what you see? and the, the Yeah, yeah. So working on lots of kind of foundational stuff. So for, for colour, for example, we started off by looking at you know, your primary, secondary, tertiary colours, uh, blending, looking at, um, you know, different hues of colour, value, intensity, kind of the, um, I mean, a lot of my art workshops and art itself also stems into science, um, which was my master's study, science communication. So I'm able to blend those. Um, and then we start going into, you know, deeper understanding of colour. So we looked at opacity and transparency and pigmentation and, you know, looking at colours like Prussian blue, which was invented in the 1800s and, you know, um, looking at natural colours and synthetics, um, touching on that. And then we also have art models as well. So one of our art models that stuck out quite a lot this term was Vermeer. Um, and I'm not sure if you've seen the painting Girl with the Pearl Earring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then there's a movie that's also kind of based on that as well. So we were in particular looking at the the blue that was used in that in her headscarf, and it was also used in her skin tone in the coat. Um, so we're looking at some of the Dutch artists there, and and then our latest, um, our last exploration was street art, and one of our artists we looked at was Banksy, and he had used this, and, and art often references itself. So he'd used the girl with the pearl earring. And, and it was, you know, just a black and white stencil, but the blue, instead of the headscarf, was on a COVID mask. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, because art, you know, references what, what's happening um, uh, in present time. So, and, and the kids could then recognise that the artist, oh, that was Vermeer's, you know, girl with the oh, well. so, so, yeah, so it's really, um, it, it just evolves. So, yeah. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Fat Freddy's Drop. Hope, why this one? Why this one? I mean, listen to the lyrics. <laughs> Hope for a generation. <laughs> it's just, I love, um, I love Roots music. And, you know, all the Kiwi tunes are just, oh, I love Roots music because it just, it talks about lots of things that are happening in the current context, but there's just a positive feeling with it. Um, and, and watching them live, all the instruments, they're just amazing. So... I had to have Fat Freddy's drop in there. Hope for a generation 
the music. I love the music. The music is me. The music is you. The music can be something we do. The music is good and music is right and music can stand strong right through the night and music can hold you. Music can keep you safe from harm in her beautiful arms. Music is you, the thing we do. It's the thing we do. It's the thing we do. It's the thing I do to get me through. It's the thing I do to get me through. It's the thing I do to get me through. It's the thing I do to get me Heather Hope, do you think the kids are hopeful? I think the kids are hopeful, yes, definitely. Um, especially if they're given opportunities to um, share their hope and have ideas. Um, you know, with my kids, especially my son, he's just so inventive. And even watching documentaries that partly scare me, but are also hopeful, like the Kiss the Ground documentary we watched recently, and they all had posters for, you know, save the environment and plant more plants and, you know, think about what you eat. And as soon as it finished, Sawyer jumped up and he was making a poster about saving the environment. And, and he wants to be a scientist. He's not sure which scientist. It's changed from, <laughs> you know, entomologist to archaeologist to paleontologist. Um, but he, he wants to create things that are going to help so we, we talk about things like that and even though they might be a bit scary I think especially with another generation coming through if you're not hopeful about that and if you're not giving them opportunities to explore ideas then what's the point <laughs> so um, I think I think kids are hopeful I think they do get scared but um, I think I think they model what we show them and what we give them opportunities for so um, yeah, we've, we've actually got a wee art week coming up after this series is finished 
where we're going to have a blue and yellow focus and the children are going to create um, some artworks raising funds for UNICEF um, for fat children and families in Ukraine at the moment. So the feedback there so far has been like, yeah, the kids can use their art, which is powerful. And, you know, all the, all the uh, usual proceeds for the workshop will be going to, to UNICEF and then we're going to auction off their art. So, you know, they can use something that they're interested in and, and put it to a good cause, which I think is a powerful, to be able to have an impact on something and to actually just have some momentum and do rather than think and worry and ruminate. Um, yeah, I think kids are hopeful and I think we need to listen to kids more as well. They're, they're interested now in the Ukraine and you're talking about the the Banksy um image with the the COVID mask on have the kids been looking for outlets for COVID questions or COVID curiosity I nothing immediately comes to mind I know with my children at home they often draw COVID um as a as a virus they're really interested in viruses one of their main games on the trampoline since the first lockdown has been COVID-19, which is where they have, we jump because I was on the trampoline with them quite a lot. We'd luckily got our first trampoline at the Christmas before the first lockdown. And we would be jumping around with this ball on the trampoline. And if it hit you, that was COVID. Um, <laughs> and then sometimes there'd be another ball and then you'd have to get that ball. And that was the vaccine. So um, <laughs> I think it's very much in the children's minds. It's so much in the children's vocabulary. Even in our first walks and that first lockdown, if someone got near us, so it'd be like, ah, social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they're, especially because we're quite a science-based household as well, it's just virus, vaccinations, masks, so social distancing, it's all in there. Um, in terms of the art workshops, I do you know what it doesn't come up a whole lot. I think it's almost a way to just explore other things. Um, they are so used to hearing about COVID. I think they're creating cartoons, they're creating things they see in life, they see other bits of art around that they want to replicate or change or add to. Um Yeah. Thinking about it, there hasn't been too much COVID stuff in the art workshops, interestingly. Yeah. A science-led household. So you've got an undergrad in, in art theory and a, a master's in science communication. Yeah. How did those two things come together for you? I think it was a love of both art and science. I, I liked all my subjects at school growing up. And I think it came to a point, I think sometimes science can seem like scary or overwhelming or oh, I don't know if I could do that um I went down the art route initially because well I actually started at teachers college <laughs> to be fair um and, and that has worked out um as well but I then went back to the art history just because it was just something I was innately interested in and I love um symbolism and meaning and all the deeper stuff that goes with art and then and then I left um, travelled for a bit, ended up working in a childcare centre for a year. So again, back with kids. <laughs> and I have been really interested in gardening, which is something that my my parents and all my grandparents have been involved in. And I started growing vegetables when I was in my early 20s. 
And then I, I thought, right, I want to I wanna learn more about horticulture and organic horticulture. And then, <laughs> so, um, so I'd already left uni and then I stumbled across the science communication program, which was a two-year two -year master's, which at the time in terms of work and income, I thought, right, two years as opposed to five or six doing a full science degree probably, you know, um, works some better and then and that that did so I ended up um my study was on communicating sustainability and I was interested in sustainable housing at the time as you can see I kind of jumped from project to project <laughs> and have lots of different interests <laughs> and so that then looked at some physics which wasn't my area of expertise um but yeah no, I love that world and it did lead me to um working as an educator at the Otago Museum because there were science programs, there were cultural programs, there were, you know, programs based around nature. So I've been really lucky in that respect, actually, that, you know, there hasn't been, I've, I've been able to tap into lots of different things. And I think that's important for people. So I think a well-rounded education and, you know, even when I'm with the kids in workshops, showing them how science is, is linked and, and history and nature and culture are all linked with the art. It's not just one discipline. Um, and even looking at Rembrandt, one of the Dutch artists as well, he was um, a painter and a printmaker and a draftsman. And with his paintings and the way he would actually let etch into some of the oil layers, you could see that his multidisciplinary approach um, gave great effect. And I think that that transforms through all of life. So I'm big into the multidisciplinary. So, <laughs> yeah. So communicating sustainability, I think we've done pretty well at that, but hmm. the the carbon's getting worse, the biodiversity's hmm. getting worse. What do you think we can learn from the pandemic and the pandemic response for those bigger sorts of things, climate change and social justice, biodiversity? Yeah, well, I remember one of the big conversations in the first lockdown, obviously, everybody was at home, people weren't traveling, people weren't using their cars, people weren't traveling in airplanes. So I think there was a lot of talk that, wow, you know what, this could be good for the planet. <laughs> um, you know, just thinking about how we travel. Um, and of course, now, you know, with, um, with the, the Russian Ukraine war, it's you know, there's been a lot of talk about petrol prices. Um, and I think that will have an impact. You know, we're thinking about, hey, how can we, you know, group together? And I think we were always conscious about travel and, and the carbon emissions. And now I think, um, as, as things often go, when it comes to the economy side of things, I think it's going to be price and um, living costs that are going to prompt people to think about how they live. Um, I know with myself, I'm part of, um, I'm on the Danita Mums Facebook group and I was seeing there was a lot of talk about living costs for people um, and a lot of people struggling with, you know, even looking at the price of a bag of potatoes. Um, this worked in really well with when we have quite a large vegetable garden here and we've just done our harvest and we had loads of potatoes and carrots. So, um, you know, so I'd advertise those to some families that might like them and anyone that might want help starting a vegetable garden. And now I've got a list of all these families that have been thinking about it, but not knowing where to start. And there are price barriers to that. There's prices for tools, there's prices for the plants, compost, if you want a raised garden bed, the wood. When you start to think about it and the things that, you know, um, we can take for granted, there are barriers to that. But I think if there's lots of community programs, um, 
And again, I think that COVID thing really brought out a sense of community. We were walking around the neighbourhood and talking to neighbours that we hadn't stopped to talk to other times. So I think I think if we look at the, the positives and take the opportunities and actually get momentum on that and not just drift back into status quo, um, take a pause, like look at the amazing documentaries that are coming out um, and giving us information. Look at, you know, David Attenborough and his wonderful documentaries that come out. I can just see him in his later years of life just you can tell he really wants to just see this change now and know that the world is on another path. Um, yeah, I just think we need to work together. Um, sounds very cliche, but it's it's true. Um, but those barriers just need to be pushed, I think, and, and broken down. For a while, we talked about the the opportunity of that pause, that that. Was it a reset? Is it a Rahui? What, what, is the, what is this thing? And lots of people talked about this being the opportunity to, to reset in a regenerative sense and a positive sense and all that sort of stuff. But during, after the first lockdown, we pretty much rushed back to driving around in cars and being busy again. Yeah, we did. Do you think yeah. that, what do you think we might have to do for that more positive stuff to to stick. I mean, presumably, sometime in the next couple of months, people are going to start rushing around flying again. Mm. Yes, I think that I think lots of positive role models um, is always something that works. Um, kind of, I guess, a sense of emulation if you see something working for someone, um, and that can start at any level. It can start with you know, more well-known people in Aotearoa or around the world, but also people within our communities as well. Um, I personally, I, I do believe in social media. Um, I, I have some people in my family that think it's, you know, a bad thing, um, but it depends on how you use it, what your agenda is, um, is something that's quite important. And if you use it as a way to share, I think, um, share knowledge, share things that work you know share positivity I think that definitely rubs off on people um even with this whole gardening thing you see people like okay cool what what, what do I put on my ground at the moment um and you know or, or bike riding you know seeing someone right you know what I'm, I'm gonna crank my bike out and I'm gonna do my next supermarket shop or trip to town or take a bus I think it's conversations and I think the more conversations that are going and that are positive and like, yeah, you know, celebrating small milestones, I think it's a, a step by step, um, you know, lots of altruism and pro-social behavior, um, wanting to help others. I think that builds, you know, years ago when my, well, before it was my husband, when he'd go surfing, um, I wasn't a surfer, but I'd run up and down the beach and I'd pick up rubbish and and I remember this one time there was another guy who's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's pick up some rubbish. Um, <laughs> I think com communicating, again, communicating sustainability, communicating stories uh, really works. And then, of course, I work with the younger generation. I just have so much hope for that. And, you know, before we had children, because my husband had studied oceanography and, and he was like, yeah, I don't know, it's not looking good. Um, you know, those ice caps melt and all the fresh water goes in and it affects the thermohaline circulation and it could be a Mad Max world with water resources. And yeah, definitely it could. And I was like, oh my gosh, do I want to bring children into this future? But, you know, with, with our strengths and using what we're interested in, um, I'm like, no, we're going to have kids. They're going to know 
um, what's happening in the environment. They're going to know that, you know, they're going, I'm going to give them a sense of you have the power to do things. You know, you want to be a scientist? Awesome. My daughter, you know, she might be more along the acting lines, I think, with her personality. <laughs> but, you know, she can communicate and and connect with people. So I think just looking at your strengths and your interests and sharing those and then, you know, working with the younger generation and having that motivation ourselves, but also having them coming through with voices, I think that's, um, yeah, <laughs> makes me feel emotional about it. I think that's, that's strong and that's powerful. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orakunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahuru Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā koutou I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here, making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all over the last more than two years, we've had to navigate an ever-changing and very challenging landscape. Many aspects of our lives that we knew and loved, that we thought would remain the same for all eternity, of course have shifted and changed all around us. And aspects of ourselves that we took for granted, that we thought would remain undisrupted and all of these sorts of things, of course, have had to shift and change in response. And I personally feel that we've all done incredibly well, and in fact that everybody's doing their best at all times, and that we should feel very proud and very pōhokeriru, that we should feel every day how far we've come, how well we've done, how much love we have shared, how much good we have put out and how much good we have found within and around us. Lovely today to have my dear friend Heather Osborne interviewed, who I really, 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 really love, times infinity forever, and have known for a long time. And Heather used to do my kind of job at the Otago Museum and is just completely amazing with everybody and is a supernatural, superwoman, superhero, supermodel pixie. Incredibly beautiful and incredibly inspiring. So I'm very happy to hear her interviewed. And something that I really love about Heather that I thought I would talk about with my five minutes with you that I'm so grateful for. And I want to say a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team for having me and to all of you. Thank you. It makes a huge difference to me to be part of this show is that, of course, beauty is so important for all of us. Beauty is such a comfort and such a portal into the infinite, into our sense of connection, into our sense of ourselves, into our sense of our individual consciousness, but also our shared collective consciousness and shared collective experience when we're able to enshrine the world around us and appreciate the world around us in terms of beauty when we're able to create beauty and make the choice, make the decision that something is beautiful, particularly something that we see, that we encounter, or particularly something that we feel or that we feel in response to something that someone has created. This power of recognition of beauty is so crucial. 
in terms of our well-being, I feel. And I know for myself, having the mansion, having my treasure, having the living world, having all of these beautiful, beautiful living beings and creations of living beings, past, present and future surrounding me, I really feel the power of it as a great supportive force in my life. And Heather, of course, is encouraging everyone around her to see that beauty in lots of different ways and to create that beauty as individuals. I really admire Heather because with everyone she works with, with her art practice, it's always very much driven by that individual and their unique perception of the world. And of course, we're all experiencing reality completely uniquely and individually. And she really respects that and she allows that individual perspective to really lead the art practice and particularly for our, our young people, our rakatahi, to have that respect and have that empowerment is just so encouraging. So a big mihi to Heather and to all of you, I hope that you're having the opportunity to find beauty and see beauty around you and within you. Thank you for being beautiful and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tahu. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Heather Osborne. Heather, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Oh, I think a sense of community would be a big one. Um, just just thinking about my street and the connections that are building and and people, you know, finding your common interests. And, and fortunately, I've got a lot of gardeners on the street as well. And, you know, we've been sharing produce. We've been thinking about, you know, we've had people with depression on the street. Um, you know, you haven't seen them. What's going on? Um, having a chat, offering to help out if they need. Actually, got some older ones on the street as well. You know, like, oh, hey, if, if you want some help with this, let me know. You know, we, we were shopping for our um, neighbour across the road. Um, during a lockdown because you know he's a bit older and has you know he's immune compromised so um, I think that community awareness and starting small it gives you a sense of you know I am doing something Um, it might not be big but it's something and I think that that builds so I think that will be hopefully um, a change that sticks but even building those first relationships you don't go back on relationships once they're built they're there and you have those contacts um, especially if you are communicating regularly. And even if it's sharing through your Facebook, or your Instagram, um, I think those things, like any tool, um, they can have the, the potential to be negative and damaging. And we, we do see that on social media. But if you have a positive agenda, they also have a power to be restorative and community building. So I think using those tools appropriately And for the younger people, you know, teaching them how to use them um, for good um, is something that, you know, I think it's probably being built into the curriculum more. But we see kids using the technology. They use laptops at schools. You know, they use um, big screens with um, education programs that are online in schools. So I think it's not something we're going to get away from, but I think it's something that we can manipulate and shape um, for the positive. So yeah, I think I think our technology and being aware of how we use it. Um, and then I think, you know, things like e-vehicles, um, I think with the price of petrol, I see that being something that can be invested in. Um, I saw something pop up the other day for um, 
uh, plant-based uh, meat alternatives and the ability to invest in that. Um, and I think that's another opportunity that, you know, people might look into that and then they feel like they've got that that driver and then think, okay, well, yeah, actually maybe I don't need as much meat in my diet and I'll look at all the impacts on that on the environment. Um, and even e-bikes, I've seen that kind of as an investment opportunity as well. So I, I see I see things building and I really hope that momentum goes. But I think, and it's often what I say about the kids, <laughs> sometimes they're... Their traits that might be difficult at the moment are the ones that will serve them in the future. So I think the barriers that are difficult now, if we <laughs> approach them positively, they could be the things that serve us the future. The theme of this show is positive but not deluded. So I have two questions on that for you. The first one is, where does that positive agenda, that positive mindset come from for you? I would say through my art. Um, through seeing doing something tactile actually and that was one of the reasons I left my former office job um, it was it was fabulous during some time of my life and great workmates but I was doing everything on the computer and it wasn't as measurable as doing something tactile for me um, so actually looking at something that I have created is a big thing for me and and seeing skills seeing ideas my a lot of the first lot of artwork I was doing when I left my job and was in lockdown was actually reflective based so I did an art piece based Australian bushfires um, and then COVID and then my next art piece was based on the, the plague of locusts that was making its way and decimating crops through Africa so I could take these things that were damaging and negative and capture them in a way um, but also my gardening as well um, is such a big thing to be able to put nutrients into the soil and take food out of the soil and know that you know our meal last night had our courgettes it had our beetroot you know it had had an egg from our chickens it was nutritious and delicious is our kind of motto for meals in our household and something coming from the ground is oh, just just gardening I mean it has so many therapeutic benefits that are scientifically proven um <laughs> I think that is powerful um, you are working with your hands, you are connecting, you are taking time, you are being mindful. Um, I think those are all building blocks for, you know, um, a more of soul and mind. And the second part of the question is about the but not deluded. And you might yeah. have <clears throat> particular insight into this because of the science background that you have uh -huh. as well. Yeah. But also, um, I've just had a vision of capturing the negative things and turning yeah. them into something positive in, in mm. terms of your, your artwork. So how do you balance that, that positivity and a sort of a, a critical awareness? Oh, I think the critical awareness is well grounded in good day. Every time I have a news article pop up on my phone, um, there <laughs> there is the critic there. And, and I think about that kind of stuff a lot. Um, and I guess for me, um, you know, I have, I have suffered with anxiety. And that was another reason that I'd left my work, um, not, not dealing with things. Um, and even, you know, my communicating sustainability when I was studying post-grad, that took a toll, like seeing all the the change that has to be done and uh, and not seeing things happen fast enough. Um, that, that took a toll on um, my anxiety level. So things can take a while to work through. Um, you know, writing is another thing for me as well. I would say a lot more of the poetry that I do is comes from a place of where there's been negative thoughts and negative things happening. So I think the reality checks are definitely with us every single day. 
um, and it just depends on what you want to take precedence. And and sometimes you do need to work through that to get that motivation. Um, you know, I've definitely had my fair share of days where it's hard to get out of bed or, <laughs> you know, the kids yelling is just love a straw. But um, taking the bigger picture and then thinking about the future and thinking about how you want your life. Do you want to be scared and sad or... You know, um, and dreams, you know, they can seem deluded. I used to dream about being an artist for a job and I never thought it would happen until I had people asking me, will you take my children and do art with them? Um, I used to dream about, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just help people build gardens and have them in their backyard? I, I can't do that. I don't have the skills. I don't have all the knowledge. But when you get a few people supporting you or you know, commenting, oh my gosh, look at those potatoes you got out the ground. You know, you realize you actually do have the tools. You don't have to know everything to be able to help people. So I think that sharing of knowledge, yeah, I think I just kind of realized that the other day, like I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to, I'm not an abstract artist, but I've been abstract art. You know, I can, I can learn. Um, I think that is such a big factor in kind of getting through stuff and making change is knowing you don't have me and my mum who's who's with us at the moment she we watched a program last night and you know there was something about parenting in it and it was like you don't have to be a a perfect parent you just have to be and that was really powerful Um, and I think everyone could relate on that on some level so you know we just have to take it easy on ourselves Um, and again look at your own strengths look at your own interests how can you build on that how can you connect Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Nina Simone. Feeling good. Why this one? Oh, why not this one? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such, got a great to it. And I can just imagine playing it in the house and strutting and not, not necessarily, you know, you know, the fake it till you make it. Um, not in a fake way, but just the, you know, like move, move it or lose it. Feeling good. Um, you know, and she's a great role model as well. She's a strong woman. You know, she was very involved with her community and activism and just, you know, pushing for a greater good. So why not sit Nina Simone feeling good? Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me, yeah, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good. fly out in the sun you know what I mean don't you know butterflies all having fun you know what I mean sleep in peace when day is done that's what I mean and this old world 
Heather, I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, goodness me. Um, Every day I'd say my kids, um, as I see them becoming their their people more and more um, and their interests, so definitely. um, But also I, I I would say my art workshops as well. I just get so much back from them and... You know, when you get the positive feedback, you see kids' faces light up when they do something that they just know is amazing. And when they when they come out with something or or, or coax each other on and tell them that their artwork's amazing. Um, having those wee groups last was it late last year, um, one of my girls she they were doing a, a project at school where they had to talk about a community they were in and she chose our art workshop um, that we had on a, on the Wednesday as her community. Um, I think that just felt like such success. Like, oh my gosh, we have got a community. Um, uh, definitely one of my biggest successes. Yeah. <laughs> so happy. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. Yeah. So you are in that team. What's your Aww. superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Uh, um, um, I don't know. I think being open-minded um, and, and just kindness. It goes so far. Um, it allows you to do so many things, puts you in touch with so many people. And I think kind people with good intentions connect with kind people with good intentions. So, yeah, if I if I was classed as someone in that group, I'd be done. I'm happy. <laughs> so do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, I guess so. I would say probably more an ultra first. Um, a lot of things that drive me is being um, being involved in the altruistic community and wanting to do good that serves everybody. Um, but yeah, def- yeah, why not an activist? <laughs> I don't think I'm particularly loud spoken, but you don't have to be, I guess. So yeah, an activist for our planet, uh, an activist for people doing good for people. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that there is an identifiable altruistic community? I think that's different from the philanthropic community. Is, is it a can we identify people that way yeah i'm hoping we can I, I think so i see so many different groups um and i'm lucky to be involved on a lot of them again through social media you know especially during the lockdowns that's how we would connect um you know like tahu's bubble community like you know like sharing the bubbles um you know even our and, and tahu, tahu and i both go to bar classes even our bar community um you know there's so much positivity and 
um, good intentions and shared goals, um, I think is a really big one. So I think there are loads of different altruistic communities, 100%. And, you know, I think philanthropy just mixes in with that as well. You know, it's, yeah, it's all about our ideals and, and we what we want to see in ourselves um, and around us that, that drive all of that. So, and seeing people that are having and facing hardship um, and wanting to alleviate that. Um, it's just all cyclical, isn't it? Like like nature should be. It's all cyclical. Um, what goes around comes around, you know? How can we take something that's degraded and enrich it and change it and just and keep things going around 100%. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, usually my daughter who comes running through, um, if she hasn't <laughs> already been through at 3 a.m. and waking up and immediately chatting, that gets me up in the morning. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I think it's um, I think it's our daily rituals and routine um, that that get me up in the morning. Um, and you know I'm I'm not always great, I'll be honest. Um, I like to mix things up. I am someone's really distracted, um, but you know that often leads to creating a poem here or there when I should be sorting the house or <laughs> putting my washing <laughs> away. Um, but you know we we can do that. I'm leave it in breaking if you're going to create something. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think, yeah, getting, wanting to get up every day and see something that I have done and physically do it. Um, putting music on. Um, I have tinnitus, so there's two reasons why I put music on. But having music on, I think if you're in a bad mood or not feeling good, feeling low, chuck on some good songs, turn up the volume, and it's hard to bring that out. So you have no option but to move, to dance, um, and get those endorphins flowing. So yeah. It definitely has to be the good stuff that gets you out of bed. Um. <laughs> so what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Challenge or opportunity? I think, um, well, as I mentioned, getting these community gardens going um, is um, an opportunity. There are definitely challenges to it um, and that I do have fears. Again, no, like, can I do this? What happens if I drop the ball? But seeing other people come out saying, oh, I'll help. I really want a garden. Um, you know, a friend yesterday was like, oh, I'm funding here. Like that, that idea in this group would fit into that. So I think forming another another group um, where we are growing plants and we are growing local food, um, that's a challenge and an opportunity in itself. So that's the, the first thing that comes to mind. Um, yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um. Oh gosh, I'm sure all your listeners are already working on so many good things if they're listening to this in the first place. Um, I'd just say, yeah, take it easy. Tune into tune into your passions. Um, for me, my 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 passions and things that I work on now were dreams three years ago. They were big blue sky dreams that I didn't think I didn't think I could leave my my regular office job um, financially or you know, and, and let alone start something myself. So find your passions and chip away at them because they are cumulative. Thank you very much for joining me. You're so welcome, Sam. Nice talking to you. Well
Spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is They Might Be Giants, Birdhouse. I'm Simon Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I've been joined by Heather Osborne in Anderson's Bay. But that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.